You'll learn about important research that's happening right on campus. Learn about what the guests did before research, how they got involved in academia, and what kind of impact their research can have on you. The Alamac is covering it all from Thursday 12 to 12.30 p.m. on 93.3 CFMU, redefining radio in your community. That's right. It is now 12 o'clock right here in Hamilton. And yeah, you're listening to the Almamac. This is your host, Sean Hercules. And that's right. The Almamac is where we interview graduate students and we find out all about their work and the work that they're doing, the impact that it has on the Hamilton community, and just to find out more about them. Because we as graduate students, we are most of the time like locked up inside of our labs or we're locked up like doing work and we're so disconnected sometimes. And this is our way of reaching out and being connected with our guests, with our graduate students. And today um, in the studio, I have with me Mr. Michael Kamal, and you'll hear from him very, very shortly. So as I said today, uh, my name is Sean Hercules, and I am your host. And as you know, here on the Alma Mac, or if you're new and listening, the Alma Mac, we have three co-hosts. It's me, Sean Hercules, it's Matthew Berry, and Adam Forte. Fortis? I don't get that right sometimes. <laughs> Sorry, Adam. Yes, and this week it is um, my time to host. And as I said, this week we have Michael. And he is in the Department of Kinesiology and he has started his master's. He is now in his second year of his master's and you're going to hear all from him very shortly. Stay tuned. Feel overwhelmed when you read research papers? Think research is being conducted in labs far, far away? Well, tune into the Alma Mac Thursdays from 12 to 12.30 p.m. where we interview McMaster graduate students about their research. You'll learn about important research that's happening right on campus. Learn about what the guests did before research, how they got involved in academia, and what kind of impact their research can have on you. The Alma Mac is covering it all from Thursday 12 to 12.30 p.m. on 93.3 CFMU. Redefining radio in your community. Yes, welcome back to the Alma Mac. Good afternoon to you, Michael. Hi, good afternoon. Nice to be here. Yeah, thank you for joining us here on the Alma Mac to talk about what you do as a graduate student. So you're in your second year of your master's in the Department of Kinesiology right here at McMaster. But what did you do before that? How did you get here? And what made you interested in that program? Yeah, for sure. So I um, I started off as an undergrad student here at McMaster um, in the in the kinesiology department. I've uh, always kind of been interested in uh, this exercise and uh, skeletal muscle in general uh, ever since high school. So it was just sort of a natural step in the, in the next direction. And then in, uh, in my second year, I started getting more involved with research. Um, talking to um, a few professors, uh, mainly Dr. Stuart Phillips, who sort of uh, introduced me to the the area of research um, in kinesiology, uh, which would be skeletal muscle physiology in uh, in my case. And uh, that was really that was really uh, exciting and eye-opening um, experience. I never considered or even knew research was a was a possibility until I got more involved with his lab. and um, as time went on, I, I started to really get more engaged and more involved in the lab, and soon I realized that I, I wanted to pursue this um, 
pursue this career path for my future. Wow. So you're basically doing what you've always wanted to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, when I when I first came to to Mac, I wasn't I wasn't really sure, but uh, it didn't take long for me to realize that research was uh, was my passion and that's what I wanted to do. So, yeah, it was it was a very natural step for me. Okay, so uh, so as as you said, you were here at McMaster for your undergrad, then you started your masters. Do you plan to do a PhD? Is that in the plan for you? Yeah, yeah, that's definitely in the plan for me. I think um, I've already been discussing it a little bit with my supervisor, and it looks like I'll be staying on with him um, for uh, for a PhD afterwards uh, after I'm finished this year. Yeah. Okay, so you're going to finish instead of transfer. I know a lot of students, like I transferred from the master's mm -hmm. into a PhD, um, even though I always had the intention of doing a PhD because I had a master's before. Um, yeah, but you're instead of transferring, you're planning to to finish your master's, then start a PhD. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I know several people who have done both. And uh, sort of based on, on talking to them and, and sort of thinking about my own uh, career aspirations, I feel like it was um, a good a good decision for me to to finish out my master's and then and then pursue a PhD. There are obviously pros and cons to to either option, as I'm sure you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, for me, I, I just sort of wanted the experience of uh, going through a defense and writing a thesis and and. Uh, and finishing out uh, my master's before heading into uh, heading out into a PhD. You must love academia. <laughs> yeah. uh, apparently so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you love academia. So tell us about your work and what what's what's your research about and what about it do you love? Um, so my particular area of research is uh, is examining. Um, older adults in uh, in an aging scenario, specifically with uh, or in regards to muscle disuse. Uh, so it's a it's a very understudied um, area of research, especially in the uh, the skeletal muscle physiology side. And a lot of people don't don't even realize that um, aging is something worth studying. You know, aging is is sort of inevitable for everyone. And uh, a lot of times people just see the, uh, the diseases or disorders related to aging without actually discussing aging as a, uh, as a factor. So it was, uh, it's, I think it's, it's really important to dive into that a little bit more and examine, you know, sort of what happens to um, your skeletal muscle as you age, mm. um, especially if there was a stressful scenario. So, right. So you're like examining things like, okay, for instance, I know um, if you are elderly and you have a fall, having a hip injury is not good at mm -hmm. all. Um, so you're examining why that is and what factors lead to that? Um, not, not necessarily examining what factors might lead to something like a fall, but more so what well, the happens injury after the fall. The, exactly, exactly. What happens to the person after the injury? Um, so falls are common, and and the mortality rate after something like a, like a hip replacement due to a fall is uh, is quite high, and a lot of times that is related to um, things like sarcopenia or or frailty that uh, accompanies aging. So uh, my area of research specifically um, involves the uh, the immobilization of one of the uh, one of our participants' legs, um, and we take muscle biopsies, um, blood samples, and then we uh, quantify things like muscle volume, 
um, muscle size and, or mass and um, muscle strength in right. order to assess um, the effects of short-term uh, muscle disuse. So you do this in elderly people? Yes. Yeah. So we um, so we're actively recruiting um, older adults, so people um, above the age of sixty, to undergo this uh, this short term period of muscle disuse, so we can find out and examine what happens to skeletal muscle um, during during injury or wow. after injury. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's that's interesting. So, how did you even go about uh, like getting this done like how, mm-hmm. like yeah what are the what are the technicalities behind recruiting um recruiting participants um like getting ethics approval like what what does that look like for you for sure so this is uh it's definitely not a a short road yeah. um and i wasn't even fully involved in this at the beginning of the road because this began several years before i uh before i started doing any research uh, but the the field that we're looking at right now began several years ago, um, looking at the effects of uh, muscle disuse or, or what happens um, in terms of muscle atrophy in younger adults. So right. we've done, um, or the, the lab that, I, that I'm working with has performed several uh, trials that looked at limb mobilization for um, for younger adults. And then we have different interventions. So... Um, this is coming. Up, this is all coming out of Dr. Stuart Phillips' lab, uh, but he's um, supplemented with, with uh, different kinds of protein. And more recently, the uh, the, the trials that I've been a part of have uh, started using um, omega three um, mm. fatty acids or, or fish oil, as it's commonly known, uh, as sort of a, a protective mechanism or a protective intervention um, in these uh, in these trials. So that's sort of where we where we started off, and then. Um, this study right now is is a very rare study, if I can say that, yeah. because it's not very common where you see a study that takes older adults, uh, mobilizes them for yeah <laughs> for two weeks, yeah, and uh, and then examines things as invasive as um, as muscle biopsies, right? So that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it really is, but it, it does answer some very important questions. You know, the um, there's a very high incidence rate of of injuries or even just frailty amongst seniors, and it's uh, it's important to understand what happens if one of them were to you know be admitted to the hospital and they're lying in bed for for a couple weeks, or if they were to break their leg or something and and they're in a knee brace. The um, the amount of muscle mass that you lose with the mobilization is uh, is incredibly high, and that's accelerated even more so when you're uh, elderly. Yeah. Okay. So say that you've yeah like. <sighs> I'm still trying to understand the, I have so many questions, <laughs> sorry. So then what are the implications of if you find that a particular, um, I don't know, are you looking at mm, metabolites as well? Like what, what are yeah. the factors that you're looking at in the blood and the For biopsies sure. and Yeah, definitely. So we, so this most recent study, um, the one that I'm I'm discussing right now is looking um, at the potential for omega-3s to sort of attenuate or or prevent um, as much muscle, uh, like, atrophy as possible. Uh, Got it. So that's the purpose of the the, uh, omega-3 intervention. 
Okay. Okay. So yeah. tell me more about Omega Three. Like, how how does this fit into all of this? For sure. So um, Omega Threes were recently identified um, a couple years back as a potential source for um, or, or a potential mechanism by which we can stimulate something called uh, muscle protein synthesis. So, Ooh. So Omega Three can create muscles. Uh, or- I don't want to make a claim like that necessarily, <laughs> but. Um, Omega-3s have been shown to, to stimulate um, that muscle protein synthesis, which is, which is uh, shortened to just MPS. Okay. So if I can, if I can explain that briefly, it's when you, when you build muscle, it's a, it's a complex relationship um, called muscle protein turnover. So okay. you're, the proteins uh, in your muscle are constantly being turned over. Um, this can be stimulated by, by several things like exercise or mm-hmm. diet, uh, but we've also recently found that um, – uh, fish oil also has potential to stimulate muscle protein synthesis. So the 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 relationship in protein turnover is related to the synthesizing of muscle protein as well as the breakdown of muscle protein. And if we can do one of two things, either reduce the breakdown or increase the synthesis, then we can, um, as a whole, increase muscle protein turnover, which is how you build muscle. Oh. Yeah. So what we're trying to do, um, or what we've what we've actually shown in young women, uh, this paper was just published earlier this year in uh, in FASIB Journal, is that we have found a positive effect of omega three um, supplementation on stimulating muscle protein synthesis in young women uh, during a period of immobilization. So just to give a brief summary on that, we. Um, we recruited younger women, university-age women, to undergo two weeks of uh, leg immobilization. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those of you listening, you might have even seen some of them walking around campus. Yo, I was <laughs> recruited. Okay, I was going to be recruited, but I was like, I am, I don't. I don't want to be immobilized yeah, for, for two sure. weeks. It's um, <laughs> it was definitely challenging, and uh, the participants know much more than uh, than I do just how difficult it, two weeks of immobilization was. Um, so, like, definitely a big thank you to our participants on that. Um, but yeah, so these uh, these young women were were um, immobilized for two weeks, and. Uh, like I said, we mentioned or we measured a lot of uh, similar things from the current study that we did in that study. Uh, so we looked at muscle like size and volume, muscle strength, as well as um, a, a couple more molecular um, measures such as muscle protein synthesis. And we did find a, uh, a, pr- a protective effect of omega-3s. So mm. um, in the experimental group, so the group that was dosing with um, omega-3s, they actually didn't lose as much muscle size. Um, sorry, they didn't lose as much muscle volume, and they didn't have any sort of any sort of drop in muscle size oh, wow. throughout the uh, throughout the immobilization period. Whereas the control group, who was on a uh, on placebo. just taking corn oil and yeah. placebo, yeah, they they dropped significantly um, due to the immobilization. So wow, significantly. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was a really cool finding because um, it did demonstrate the uh, the potential for omega-3 supplementation to sort of uh, rescue or, or prevent too much muscle loss. Mm-hmm. That isn't to say that it will prevent all of it, obviously, because yeah. it was only a two-week immobilization period, and these are young, healthy women. Yeah. Uh, but there is potential for it, um, especially in older mm-hmm. adults who would be a lot more affected by an immobilization period than young women. 
Well, that's huge because this has implications for people who are training for the Olympics or, or mm-hmm. you know, or, or just people who are training in general yeah. um, for whichever sport or profession that that mm-hmm. um, that they have. Wow. <laughs> so and then you're extrapolating this study now to elderly. Yes. Right. Yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Got it. So that's the uh, that's that's the plan right now. We're actively recruiting, and, and the study's going on right now. Um, and then in, even in terms of recruitment, like recruitment has been difficult, obviously. Yeah. Like um, the whole study is seven weeks in duration, um, so it includes a month of uh, supplementing. It's double blinded, so we don't know if they have fish oil or placebo, mm. um, and it it involves a month of um, of just supplementing with the uh, the fish oil, and then a one-week immobilization period, so not two weeks like in the young, uh, yeah. just one week, yes, and then please. a two-week recovery period. Yeah, so we're actually we're also looking at um, recovery following the immobilization. Oh, okay. So we want to see if if um, maybe if we're not seeing that much of a protective effect during the immobilization, maybe uh, there's more of a protective effect afterwards. Maybe they're able to recover faster. Yeah. So it gives us a good idea of um, where there, where we might see some some effects. Wow, that's really cool. And how far along are you with this study? Are you wait? You said that you're still in recruitment. Yeah, but still are you in recruitment. Soon finish recruitment. Like how yeah. how how do you gauge that? Would you finish before your masters? For sure. So <laughs> um, recruitment has been a, a little bit of a challenge, yeah. um, as I'm sure you can imagine. Uh, recruiting um, like elderly, like older adults, to undergo you know muscle biopsies, which are quite invasive. But also, like a week of mobilization is um, is is quite difficult. There are only a few labs in the world, I say, that are that are uh, equipped to handle a project of yeah. this caliber, and uh, Dr. Phillips Lab is mm-hmm. is one of them. Yeah. Yeah, I'm here trying to imagine if any of my grandparents were alive <laughs> and they were like, Sean, I think I'm doing this study. What do you think yeah. about it? I don't. Know what I would say if I didn't have a university background or like a or a research kind of lens, I, I, I'd I'd be skeptical. So I guess in your ethics, uh, in your sorry, in your consent form, Mm -hmm. you're like you have to sell this really, really well. Oh, for sure. So our our um, our like consent form is one of the longest ones I've ever seen. We uh, we go very in depth into not just how. all of the measures will uh, will go, but also the potential risks and discomforts, yeah. which is pretty standard. Um, and uh, it's it, we do make sure that everyone is incredibly well informed, not just for um, not even just for their sake. Obviously, that is important, but even for the our family, sake, if we're yeah. if we aren't um, super, you know, like transparent with what's going on in the study we might have a, a large dropout rate. Yeah. Um, and so far, we've been pretty good with uh, w- with dropouts, but it's obviously the recruitment has been a little bit of a challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what impact do you think this has on like, Hamilton and worldwide, potentially? What Where where do you see this project going? For sure. So the the impact is um, is from two different avenues. The the first avenue being the uh, the fish oil impact. So um, something uh, there's an increasing trend that we've sort of been observing just anecdotally that um, a lot of the a lot of the older adults that we've been contacting asking if they're interested in participating in the study have already started taking fish oil, okay. um, which is which is a good thing. We if assuming our results are positive, uh, because that does like mean that there are uh, increasing health trends moving towards like mm-hmm. omega-3 supplementation. So that's 
uh, from that perspective, it's good. From the other perspective, um, from a more scientific uh, perspective, it's it's very um, informative to the scientific community about what exactly is happening to skeletal muscle during immobilization in these older adults. And with something like uh, with something like this protocol, it does it does really give. Uh, give a lot of information to, uh, to anyone, anyone who's interested in learning more about it. Because it does happen quite often um, where somebody uh, who's like a senior or, or an older adult who is um, immobilized or, or bedridden and, uh, and will experience a lot of the things that, we, that we're investigating. Okay, cool. Yeah, this is, this, this is an interesting study. If I were an elderly person, <laughs> I, would, I would sign up <laughs> for sure. <Thank> you. <laughs> so... Um, do you have contact information just in case anyone is listening and they want to sign up um, for themselves or for yeah. another elderly person? No, of course. Yeah. yeah. So um, if anyone's interested in, in signing up, you can, uh, by all means, shoot me an email. Uh, my email address is uh, kamalm2 at mcmaster.ca. Alternatively, um, if you frequent coffee shops in the local Hamilton area, um, most of them have uh, free coffee news uh, brochure, and uh, my ad is actually in the coffee news. So if you pop in there and you see an ad that says Michael Kamal, um, by all means, pick it up and uh, and give me a ring or, or shoot me an email, and I'd love to have a conversation with you about the study. Cool. So what actually drives you to come into the lab or... I don't know your office. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. not sure what your setup is, actually. <laughs> but what drives you to come to campus every day and work on this? What, yeah, what's your motivation? For sure, yeah. So um, I'd say my first motivation is just curiosity. I, uh, I've been treating my master's maybe a little bit different than other people have. Uh, the main goal of my master's isn't to, you know, publish publish uh, in journals or to, you know, go to conferences and do all that stuff. Like, my main goal is to increase my, like, skill bank. Mm. So what drives me to come in every day is just trying to learn something new, uh, learn a new, maybe a new, like, wet lab skill or a new uh, way to, to write even, um, to read papers that have been recently released, not necessarily just in my field, but in, in similar interesting fields. Um, and just sort of increase my my general knowledge. It's sort of been the goal of my master's so far. That's going to take you really far. There's so many people who come to grad school and they, they, they're they so focused on, yeah, I'm just going to publish. I'm just going to get mm-hmm. these experiments done. And they don't really take the time to just sit For back sure. and assess the fact that, you know, while we're doing these things, we're learning so many and acquiring so many soft skills. There's time management that is huge, as Definitely. <laughs> we've been talking about before. There's time management. There's because oh, you're working in a lab with different people, you have to deal with interpersonal relationships and conflicts. How you deal mm-hmm. with those things. There's mentoring because you get to mentor um, undergrads or other graduate students, and you're sure. also being mentored by your supervisor. Um, there's so many like what I, what what they're called soft skills yep. that you acquire through graduate school that. A lot of us don't really mm-hmm. take seriously. Definitely, yeah. It's it's one of those things where you you think you're coming in to learn one thing, and you end up learning about fifty other things just sort of inadvertently because of all the interactions and uh, and relationships that you have to develop over the years. Yeah. So I feel like I have learned. I learned a lot more than I than I gambled for, mm-hmm. um, which I'm very happy with. 
Yeah. Even things like administration, you have to budget so that your experiments are not over the budget that your supervisor has the grant money for. You have to somehow talk, you have to talk with the sales reps to come up with good prices for your reagents. There's so many things that you learn in graduate school that you don't think of when you're playing, hey, I want to do a master's in your lab. Can Can I join your lab? And then you realize, wow, this is a lot more. Yeah. No, definitely. It uh, it really does um, really does open your eyes to to what you're doing as a grad student. It's not just show up, run my experiments, go home. Like there's there's a lot more there's a lot more involved. My um my, so my supervisor right now is is Dr. Johnny Parisi, and he always tells me that to be an effective grad student, it's not just coming in, doing your lab work, and going home. It's it's coming in, you set up an experiment, you let it run. While that experiment's running, you're doing something else. Maybe you're working on a paper. Maybe you're reading a paper. Maybe you're setting up your next experiment, something. So it's it's constantly a balance. You're not you're never just sitting there, you know, waiting for your stain to finish and hoping that everything works out well. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a constant balance between um, all the different kinds of work that you have to do. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so outside of all of this, you've, Obviously, academia is a huge part of your life. Mm-hmm. What do you do outside of the lab? Like, what, apart from research and uh, the work that you're doing, um, makes you happy? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, um, I mean, uh, there are a couple things that I, that I really like doing. Um, the big thing that I've been getting more and more into is, uh, is like, audiobooks and podcasts. Oh. Um, and that doesn't just extend to outside of my... Um, like time and research, like there, there are sometimes um, in the lab where I'm doing, like, almost mindless work and just having like like an audio book playing in the background mm-hmm. or something really helps the time pass. But yeah, I've been getting uh, getting more into those and I, I I do really like them. They're I find them quite engaging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. People are using podcasts a lot actually. I see a lot of my friends on Instagram. They as soon as they wake up, they would like post a story. Oh, I was list- I was listening to this podcast this morning as I was getting ready for work. Mm-hmm. I'm like, "What? People do that?" <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's um it's not something that was very common I think a couple of years back, yeah. but I feel like um over the years there have been a few people um in the podcast world who have sort of um, opened a lot of people's eyes up to like this alternative source of entertainment. Um, a big person that comes to mind is like Joe Rogan. Like the mm. number of people I know who listen to his podcast is is outstanding. The guy has probably one of the biggest podcasts in the world. What's this podcast about? Honestly, um, <laughs> like finding one description for his podcast is pretty hard. Oh. Uh, but if I had to, if I had to think of something, it's, it's basically um, a sort of interview style podcast like mm. this one, where he'll pull in uh, different people, whether that be athletes, uh, scientists, researchers, politicians, even um, to discuss things that are going on in today's world. Um, so whether he's talking about uh, like a recent MMA fight, or he's he's asking you know Jordan Peterson what his latest book is about, right? So there's um, he sort of goes on both ends of the spectrum. So it's kind of a random podcast with yeah. some kind of order. Somehow. Yeah, and he's he's a good listener, but also a good uh, like provoker of questions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, I was about to say I could just do a podcast where I just interview people, but then I remembered that's what this is for. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so if you're that's listening <laughs> right now live, we do have a podcast for the Alma Mat. You can log on to Spotify, Apple, I don't know, wherever, we're everywhere. Anchor FM also. Um, so just type Alma Mac on Google or Alma Mac podcast 
And you should find us. Um, all of our podcasts should be there from the last few months from when we started. Yeah, so I'm sure Mike will listen to our podcast. <laughs> oh, yes, definitely. <laughs> At least the one he's on. <laughs> okay, is there anything else you want to leave with our listeners? We only have a minute left. This time goes so quickly. Yeah, it does. Um, nothing really, just... Uh, if you are interested in finding out more about this research, there are other trials running, not just for uh, older adults, but also for uh, young people, university-age people, uh, both men and women, constantly being run um, in the Department of Kinesiology. So by all means, um, if that's something you're interested in, uh, swing on down to IWC. There are posters all over the place, and uh, usually they're posted online in Facebook groups. So it's a really, uh, it's a really cool way for you to get involved, find out a little bit more about yourself and your body, and you know maybe have a, a new experience. Maybe you experience a muscle biopsy for the first time. I've had about seventeen of them myself, and they're seventeen. Yeah, yeah, they're quite interesting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So uh, they're they're more routine, and they're not as they're not as intense as some people think. Yeah. It's like a little hole puncher into your skin that takes out the muscle. Kind of, yeah, yeah. It's like a biopsy needle that, that sort of um, enters in your thigh and, and takes out a little chunk. Mm-mm. Just a small piece. <laughs> you have fun. <laughs> and everyone else that's interested in doing this research, please message or email, call Michael. His contact information will be up in the show notes directly after the show. So thank you, Michael, for joining me. And thank you, listeners, for listening to the Alma Mac. And it is now 1230 right here. Time now for Get Lit with Jamie Tennant.